Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Catholic Connect podcast. So glad that you joined us. So blessed that you joined us here on another day that the Lord has made. Let's turn to scripture to start off the podcast from a letter from St. Paul to the Ephesians. Quote, and his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed back and forth and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the cunning of men, by their craftiness and deceitful wiles. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every joint with which it is supplied, when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth, and upbuilds itself in love. And that comes to us from the book of Ephesians, the St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16, and so timely, and really something that's interesting to me, and something that should give us all a lot of hope especially in this time of confusion in the world. I know a lot of people, a lot of people are sad and heartbroken looking to, to for the will of God in their lives right now. And, uh, but God has given us so many great gifts and he's given you a gift and he's inviting you to discern and to find that gift. Maybe some people it's more obvious than others, but we all have gifts and, mo- and most of us have many gifts, but we need to pray for the grace that we can recognize what they are and recognize how our Lord wants Uh, us to use them for the building up of his kingdom here on earth. And I'm so pleased to catch up to Henry Caterna, who's got a great family-based ministry. Uh, He does this with his own family, and uh, he has some folks from from outside as well, some other Catholic folks that work with him. On The Catholic CEO, the website is called thecatholicceo.com. So many great ideas there for you if you're discerning a career change, or maybe you want to start your own business. So many great tools. I'm really excited for Henry, his family, and his uh, colleagues at the Catholic CEO for uh, the good fruit that I know will come from this ministry, from them saying yes to God. And they've recognized their talents, and they're spreading that throughout the church and throughout the world. And they can help you discern maybe what your talents are, what direction God is leading you in this work world, whether that's uh, in your current place of employment, or maybe you feel a call to start your own business, maybe working with your family working with your spouse. Another fantastic concept that the Catholic CEO has presented, and I think this is already being done in certain small pockets of the Catholic world, but not nearly enough, and that's the idea of the Catholic circular economy. And uh, basically, what does that mean? Well, that means that we pool our resources together, we network amongst each other, we employ each other, we take care of each other. This is biblical. This is what the apostles did, and uh, this is what, uh, again, many people are doing already. And I think to, to formalize it and to make something that's a little bit more organized as well, uh, I think that would be make just uh, do great wonders for the church if we can look out for each other and to, and to share ideas, but also to employ each other, to use each other's ideas, resources, and our gifts together. So really excited about that concept as well. We cover so many things in this conversation. And again, I'm just so excited to share this with you. So without further ado, let's get on to it. Henry Caterna from The Catholic CEO. We'll see you on the other side, my friends. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. 
Henry Katarna is an experienced business executive, investor, CEO, mentor, and a lifelong Catholic. He is a chair of a private family investment fund concentrating on manufacturing and real estate and is the founder of the apostolate, the Catholic CEO. So please welcome our brother in Christ, Henry Katarna, to the Catholic Connect podcast. Hi, Henry. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for uh, inviting me to come on here, Dave. This is a wonderful opportunity and, uh, you know, may God bless you in this whole mission that you're on to. Oh, praise God. Thanks, Henry. This is uh, this has been a great ride for me and uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, allowed me the opportunity to meet other Catholic gentlemen and, and ladies uh, in, in our church. And uh, it's great to, to meet you as well and to chat about your apostolate and really bringing us all together. You know, we got such a great team in the Catholic church, right? We've been blessed with brothers and sisters on this earth to journey together, but sometimes we just don't know what everybody's up to. So uh, I always say that we're laboring in the vineyard and uh, sometimes we're so busy in our own little corner that we don't bother to look up and see what uh, everybody else is up to and how we can support each other. So uh, so it's great to have you, Henry. I'm really excited to have you with us. And I always say that uh, on the podcast, it seems all the cool guys and girls, they all come from Saskatchewan. I don't know what's up with that, <laughs> but uh, of course, I look at your bio, Henry, and, and you definitely have some uh, connections to the wonderful province of Saskatchewan. So maybe tell us uh, about your background a little bit and, and how you got into uh, into your faith and, and where you're at today with your ministry. Sure. Thanks. Uh, thanks, David. It, it's really, I uh, was born in Regina, Saskatchewan, and uh, uh, I, I've often heard people say when we're in other provinces, when I moved to Calgary in 1991, we used to ask people, okay, show of hands, how many are from Saskatchewan? And it was always 70, 80% of the room was from Saskatchewan. So, but, uh, but the answer to your question is that, you know, we grew up in, I, I, I'm the oldest of five children. Uh, my, my dad had uh, five other siblings, four brothers and a sister, and all large Catholic families. And we grew up in a, in a certain neighborhood of Regina where we were all together. And so our cousins, brothers and sisters, we all kind of grew up together. And the, the faith was important to us. My grandfather started a family business. And uh, I have uh, two family businesses right now that I work with. And these are important. So the faith taught us to um, work together as a family. And, uh, you know, we were always taught that, you know, our objective is to get to heaven and we have to do everything we do, including our business in a way that's uh, fundamental to, to, you know, in in keeping with the Catholic faith. So I grew up in Regina. I went to a a Jesuit high school there. I um, uh, grew up in a sort of a volunteer setting all the time. So we were expected as as, uh, young people to uh, do volunteer work. So I remember going to the Marion Center in Regina, which was an apostolate of Madonna House. And every Saturday I ran the dishwasher for many years while I was in high school. And then in university, we took on other projects. So the faith was part of our life. The family would often gather. Uh, We had a small uh, three acres parcel of land with a couple of houses on it where my grandfather lived and my my grandparents lived and my uncles and um, uncle and an aunt lived as well with their families. And so we would go there for family barbecues. We had the family gardens there. The whole family sort of ethic was that we worked together we were we hung out together that's struck with that has stuck with me and it has struck me even when i was a kid that how how wonderful that was because it was we could band together and it was us against the world but it was always around the catholic faith at the end of every evening that we had a barbecue or a birthday or a first communion event there was always the family rosary we always attended all of the devotions. We were my mother was the church organist for forty years. My father was the chairman of 
before they called him parish councils, he was chairman of the, um, I guess it was called a buildings and grounds committee, that type of thing. So the faith was integral to us. And we grew up with that environment where we were supposed to not only, you know, practice the faith, but evangelize largely through our actions so people could see uh, what we were doing. And that's how we, that's how it all started really with me. And you have that Slavic background too, right, Henry? I, my uh, my family comes from uh, Czechoslovakia. Uh, the, well, I guess it'd be the Slovak Republic, I believe they call it now. But back then, it was Czechoslovakia, and that uh, that unity of family and community, especially in the parish level, it, it was huge back then. We have this uh, grotto here. I'm not sure if you've ever been out to the Edmonton area, Henry, and you've seen the Scarrow pilgrimage, uh, yes, or the Scarrow shrine, yes. But I have uh, seen again. Yeah. Families, you know, Polish families, Ukrainian families uh, getting together. There's a great picture there. And I encourage all our listeners, if you ever get out to the Edmonton area, make a trip out there because it is a, a pilgrimage site in our archdiocese as well. But there's a, a great photo of families uh, together. This is around 1910, I would say, somewhere on there, right? the turn of the 20th century kind of thing. And, uh, you know, they got their their coveralls on, their, you know, their, their work gear families uh, of all ages and they look so happy henry they look so happy while they're building this grotto uh in honor of of our lady and uh, and of course of jesus christ so it was uh, it's it's really beautiful how uh you know the uh, the seeds of faith start at at a young age and to uh, to work together in a community so it sounds like a lot of the um you know these uh these experiences you had when you were young and giving of yourself and service to the church and, and to your community, it seems like that was sort of a foundation for you as you got into the business world. It was a foundation. And and the, the Polish background, as you rightly pointed out, you know, both sides of my family, the grandparents were Polish uh, immigrants. One one grandfather, my mother's father, went over sort of to the farm and agricultural side of things and ran a general store in a small town in uh, in Sidhu, Saskatchewan, just north of Weyburn. And uh, my, my grandfather, my dad's side, uh, you know, worked on the railway for a bit. And then he worked in a hotel, a, a real, Hotel Saskatchewan, a railway hotel, very traditional place and, and very special in our families. And and so the, the Polish culture, I spoke Polish at home until I went to school, until I started grade one, I spoke Polish. Today, my Polish would be rusty. I can still understand and I can read with a good accent. But, you know, the, but the, the, the principle that my grandfather taught us, if I could tell you this one thing that that has really governed my business life, my grandfather started a business with his sons and they would buy old properties and restore them, renovate them and rent them out. So as a Polish immigrant, he had no education. He had his faith and there was a Polish parish in Regina that they all congregated uh, towards. And I was a, a mass server and my sisters were in the choir and, you know, we, we did all of those activities. But the thing my grandfather always taught us was that he started a family business to keep the family together. The business and the making money and any wealth that might have been generated was secondary. And so he always taught us that it's important to keep your family together and a family business is a way to do that. And that's why to this day, when a couple of years ago, we started the Catholic CEO as a family business, it's a family business and uh, it's headquartered in Texas, but we have family in Canada and the U.S. working in it. And the whole point of it is to create a Catholic economy. So I'm kind of taking in a certain way, I only see this now, you know, I didn't know it at the time a couple of years ago, but what my grandfather taught us was that the purpose of a family business was to keep the family together, which is the element of Catholicism that we really want to respect. Subsequent to that, 
you know, we're doing that in the next generation. I have another business with my own children. And the, the idea of the family being paramount, primary, and then the, the income and the business part second has stuck with us all the way. It's amazing, really. That's beautiful. And, you know, that's uh, the mentality of a farmer, too, I always I like to say, because that's where, you know, it sounds like your family had some a, a little bit of a background with, with agriculture as well. And, of course, in Saskatchewan and Alberta, we're loaded with farmers here. And uh, you still see those generations of farmers passing along to their children, their grandchildren. Uh, I always love hearing stories like that because it's beautiful. And of course, maybe the only other uh, folks from a country that eat as well as us uh, Slavic folks do, but the <laughs> Italians, we always hear the Italian bakery mm-hmm. or restaurants. Yep. Uh, you know, it's always yep. seems to run in the family for many generations as well. And that's really beautiful, isn't it? It's, it, is. uh, it teaches you to live in community. Yep. And I know that sometimes people say, we don't, we don't always get along very well. I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. It's better that you're, you're having these uh, little squabbles with your family members, the people that that's, that's your, that's your family. That's your, that's your kin uh, exactly. versus uh, a, a total stranger at a big corporation. Yeah. Uh, I'd always rather pick my family for stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So, or squabbles like yeah. that. So that's really, that's really neat. Yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. And, and I just love the, uh, I love the culture of, of the Slavic people. And mm-hmm. my, uh, my grandpa, sim- similar to you, uh, Henry, the descendants all came from, from like I said, Czechoslovakia mm-hmm. on my mm-hmm. side of the family. Mm-hmm. Anyways, mm-hmm. my grandpa, uh, mm-hmm. there's uh, I can't remember what saint it was, Henry, but they said to the, I guess the clockwork of the Catholic life is to pray, study and work. And, uh, it's sort of that, that sort of a cycle, right? And, and uh, there was a, a great story that my mom shared about my grandpa, who I never met. He passed away, God rest his soul, before um, before I, uh, I came into the world. But, you know, he was working in BC in the, mm-hmm. in the mountains, mm-hmm. in a coal mine, I believe. Mm-hmm. He got laid off. Mm-hmm. And then guys are like, oh, now what do we do? And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know what? He looked in the paper mm-hmm. and he saw that there was a new Catholic church being built in Fernie. Mm-hmm. So he said, you know, I'm just going to go there. I'm just going to build. And if they pay me mm-hmm. something, they pay me something. If they don't, but I got to be active. I've got to be doing something all the time. I've got to be contributing. And right now I don't have a job, but at least hey, I'm building the church. I'm, I'm, this is an important thing to yeah. me. Right. And, yeah. and I think those are uh, such important yeah. lessons that, uh, that we can bring from our, our ancestors who mm-hmm. let's face it, you know, farming and, and living in Saskatchewan and Alberta and the Prairie provinces, uh, back in the day, that was, uh, it, they weren't sitting back and watching a hockey night in Canada every night. They were, uh, it was a matter of survival. So you really needed your family and you needed your neighbors, didn't you? It's so true. You know, my grandfather, I mean, I didn't see this. Of course, I was, I was not even born yet, but my grandfather helped to build St. Anthony's Catholic church in Regina. And they always told a story of uh, Monsignor Gosky came, he was the parish priest uh, and he uh, was you know, catering to the Polish community in Regina, the archdiocese of Regina appointed him to that parish. They bought a piece of land, but they didn't have any money. And, and that's all they could afford at the time. So one day, a bunch of men got together. This is a this is a true story. They got together and they said to Monsignor Gosky, we're going to start building tomorrow. And, and he said, okay, because he was a man of faith, you know. And so were these men. And so on the Monday morning, women, mothers came with pots and pans and started scraping the dirt to build a basement, to dig a basement. Then the men came with horse-drawn scrapers to scrape the basement and this is this actually happened they started digging the basement get no money so they did it themselves they just and literally women came with pots and pans to to scoop out earth and start moving it gradually they found a they built a basement and then first couple years they had mass in the basement then they built the rest of the superstructure and then many years later when i was i think when i was a kid my grandfather and my dad and my uncles 
helped build the steeple on the church. So it was a labor of love for over probably a 30-year period. So it's a story of faith. You know, let's let's dig a basement. We don't have any money, but let's start the basement and we'll just dig it by hand, which they did. And I'll, and I'll bet you that church is beautiful. Right? It is. I mean, it's a beautiful church. It's still there and it's it's in uh, it's in nice shape and you know, the congregation has changed over the years as everybody moved more to the suburbs and so on, but it's still the Polish Catholic Church in in Regina. It's amazing what faith builds. You know, mm-hmm. you think of uh, some of the churches. We have all these money, money and resources now, but let's face it, our, in our church right now, we're lacking faith uh, overall. You know, of course, we have individual pockets of faith and individuals, and and uh, there's, there's still a lot of good things happening in the Catholic Church today. But when we see brand new Catholic churches being built, okay, you do the fundraising, you take the loan out, and uh, you, you build this great big structure, but... Um, you know, there's something to be said when the community gets together, build yeah. something, and you look inside those churches, they're just so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the name of the cathedral. It's, I believe it's in Chile, and it's a, it's a beautiful cathedral mm. built into, I don't know if it's like a canyon or where it is, but I've, if you may have probably seen it. I don't before. know that story, no. Beautiful cathedral. Now I, sh- I should, now I'm thinking about it. I got the picture in my head of how beautiful mm-hmm. it is, but mm-hmm. I just can't think of the name, but um, they had an interview with people like, how did this, this church come to be? Like, you must have had you know, so many people from the outside coming in, they're like, no, no, we, we raised all the money just in our parish. Like we just gave all of our resources. And if we had skilled labor, we would donate our time. And if we didn't have skilled labor and we had money, the people would donate the money, right? That just the whole parish came together and built this magnificent cathedral and uh, basilica. So, um, yeah, there's something to be said for that, for sure. Just that community building. Exactly. And it's something we're, we're trying to, I mean, I, I saw, well, we've all seen, you've seen the effects of this, these beautiful buildings that were done, built by people who really had no money or, or very little money. And they had, I, I'll, I'll tell you about the Catholic economy uh, concept. Mm-hmm. I see that at work in those days when they came together and they, they focused on that. And, and they also did things like, I, I recall again from my grandfather's time, they would hire each other. They would buy from each other. They would support each from each other. They, you know, they would they would sell to each other. They would even raise capital. My my dad was involved in starting the very first credit union at a parish in in Regina, uh, at, at at that very parish, Saint Anthony's Parish, and it was a credit union that was focused on that parish itself. And so, some let's say a recent immigrant would come and they would want to buy a car, let's say, and so the parish would loan them, you know, five hundred dollars. And then they would pay it back at five bucks a month or whatever, some number. But they took a they took a risk. They lent money to their own fellow parishioners. And so it was banking, credit union financing at a local level. Talk about subsidiarity, right? Ah, subsidiarity. Yeah. So a term made world famous by the Catholic Church. Exactly. Right? Yeah, right, absolutely. Yeah. That's beautiful. I didn't know that. A yeah. credit union right yeah. in the parish. But that's, then, you know, uh, that's so neat. It is so neat. And then, of course, later on, the, the realities of banking and it amalgamated with yeah. the next parish and then the next parish. And pretty soon it's lost now in the, you know, in the, in the credit union system, which is still just a, like all credit unions. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. It's, it's a fine merger system, but merger. that I, I remember working with my dad on various things and, and listening to some, a family would come and borrow a few hundred dollars to get started in Canada from their own parish. Like what I, I love that concept. I think that's an example of the parish of the Catholic economy that, that uh, we, if we get back to that, Catholics will become an economic force. And I think we can, I think we can change laws and legislation and we can change the culture 
by forming a Catholic economy. So you'll hear me talking quite a bit about that, David. Well, and I love that concept. I think it's a it's an amazing concept and a great concept that uh, we need to talk more about in the church. And uh, one of the many things I'm excited about with with the Catholic CEO and in your ministry is is uh, that that circular economy right within yeah. the, the Catholic Church. Yeah. And you know, you mention these things sometimes to some of our fellow Catholics, and they look at you like you're weird, like you know, hey, where's, where's the three bids and a buy, you know? But you know, not thinking outside of that, uh, you know, the, getting outside the business and thinking, okay, we have you know, our, our business obligations that we need to take care of. Yes. But we also have this community of Catholics of brothers and sisters that we're journeying on together towards heaven. And how can we help each other out? And it's, it's biblical too. You look at the stories of the Bible and these, you know, caravans, you think of uh, St. Joseph and the blessed Virgin Mary, uh, when they were traveled, they would go with their family and friends. Right. And, right. and when Jesus uh, was in the temple, well, who did they go ask? They weren't uh, knocking on doors and had their thumb out and asking for, you know, when the camels were going by, where did Jesus go? No, they said, they, hey, we were going amongst our family and our friends to see if yeah. they were, if Jesus was with it's them, right? So find him, yeah. there's all these stories of these journeys, yeah. right? So tell us about that because I'm blessed, Henry, as well. I come from a big Catholic family mm-hmm. and I, mm-hmm. I have many nephews and nieces as well mm-hmm. as brothers and sisters and uh, they're already adults and I know I've, I've got mm-hmm. a, for example, I have a nephew that's, that's farming. So I've bought beef off of him. Mm-hmm. I'd rather buy beef from him than from the store down the street. He's he's my nephew. I got a nephew that's a scaffolder. He's offered to give me scaffolding. Mm-hmm. I have a nephew that puts garage doors in. So I'll mm-hmm. ask him to put my garage door in, which mm-hmm. I did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we build on that? That's just my, my family. Mm-hmm. I always like to hear stories about other Catholic business people, especially in Alberta here, and, and try to support them in, as best I can. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what are some ways that we can really build on that Catholic economy that you've been talking about a little bit, Henry? This is a—it's something that we think about all the time, um, and I, and I know you're thinking about it too. So, so, a couple of ideas that have come to my mind is one is um, an example. I know of a parish where about thirty people have recently lost their jobs for conscience reasons, right? And and so about five of them are working on starting their own business and and we're working with them on a pro bono basis to help them kickstart a business and so one of the individuals that i really am impressed with has a business already his wife lost her job for conscience reasons so now she's coming into the business but their mission is to expand and scale their business but to hire people from the parish who've lost their jobs and so it's a, it's a business that lends itself to that and so I think one step one is I think we need to hire each other. We need to look out for the Catholics in our community, starting at the parish level. I can see other things. Another example would be we were do, doing an inventory um, with uh, my family in Texas, and we were talking about various parishes. There's lots of talented people within a parish, many of whom have really good startup experience in businesses or expanding businesses or raising capital or doing any of these things. So why not create a little advisory board within the parish that that would if somebody has a new business idea they could come before this advisory board and it would you know brainstorm with them give them ideas give them the tips and the lessons we have a thing called uh, St. Joseph Forum in the Catholic CEO which is groups of CEOs up to 12 people working together on a regular basis once a month you know twice a month whatever uh and when you do that, you're actually problem solving in real time with peers and a very good facilitator who knows what they're doing. And that is real time problem solving. So it's another step beyond this advisory board idea 
But we could do that, David, right in our own parishes. We could have a group of people who know about business who could help others start a business. And the beauty of starting your own business, of course, is that it supports the traditional Catholic family, which is that, you know, you, you could, if, if the father didn't have to go to a corporate downtown job, let's say, and could stay in the, in the yard, in the neighborhood, in the shop, in the barn, in the basement, working on the family's business, and let's say it's a traditional family where the mother might be at home homeschooling children and so on. There's other models of family, of course, as we know. But you see, these are things we could do. So I guess in summary, what I would say is we should advise each other. We should support each other in uh, hiring each other. And we should literally, I think we should go hire from our parish first. At least try. If you can't, if there's no qualified people, okay, fine, go outsource. But let's do what other groups have done in society for centuries. I have some good friends uh, of the Jewish uh, faith in in uh, Calgary, actually, who have always said to me, first of all, they say, good for you that you drew a line in the sand and you're doing this Catholic CEO thing. Good for you. But Henry, you talk about the Catholic economy. We've done this for centuries. And of course, we know that. And And various other groups have become very successful at this. We should do the same thing. And we should not only that, I'll go even further, David, one more step. We should provide each other capital. There are pools of capital. There are angel. I ran an angel investor group for 12 years. I'm still part of one informally uh, for our family. Let's provide capital to each other. Let's do what that credit union thing did, you know, 40, 50 years ago and so on. So the, we could do this all at a local parish level and then expand to a diocesan level and so on. I think we could do. I want to get back. To, I, I want to get back to that angel investor sure. too, because there sure. are people with money too that would like to help as well. Or, yes. And, uh, and and instead of putting something into stocks, they want to put it into one of their brothers or their sisters in Christ yep. and one of their ideas. Yep. Um, I did want to talk about the. Um, uh, you mentioned uh, the uh, the family and uh, and and people, especially dads that are that are going out to work, because we see that often here in Alberta and even in Saskatchewan now with, with oil and gas. We see these um, these uh, these dads or these these men going out to work in the oil field. They're gone for sometimes two three weeks at a time. They come back for a few days and they're gone again. And uh, you know, it's this. Um, I guess it's uh, we have to look to at how can we take our kids, our spouse, to heaven, right? And these are important points as well. Yep. And yeah, you can make a lot of money, right, when you're working in oil and gas. Yep. And, and doing those things, but I see it all the time, Henry, where these these guys are gone and they're on the road, and uh, uh, they come back, and if anything, they're actually disrupting the life in, in their their families, right? And uh, yeah, so yeah, so I think it's it's yeah. a great concept. You you said an important thing there, and I I'm thinking of examples. You know, family Alberta, as you say, is famous for the remote work idea. Actually, before the last two years, right, remote work in in a way where people would go away, and. If you think of the traditional family model where the father is the, you know, the patriarch of the family, you could say, the head of the household in the traditional Catholic family model, and their job is to have their spouse, uh, work with their spouse to raise their children and, and get everybody to heaven. Well, if the father goes downtown or up north or flies out to a camp every couple of weeks and is home for a few days, do the children see the father exerting the role of father in the home, leading the family in prayer, guiding the family, seeking the advice of his wife, his spouse on important matters, and then making a decision and bearing the, the, the burden of that decision. If children saw that, 
boy, would that be a powerful tool. And I'm not saying we don't do that in Catholic families, but in many, we don't. And, in, in, and maybe we should do more of that. So that's the idea. And I, I know you would, you would see this as well, that families where there's a, a father working, let's say, in a family business, I, I use the, the example of the barn or the shop, and if it's a wood shop or, I don't know, something where there's a, a family business, children can then learn that craft. And then they see on a daily basis, the parents are at home close to the family. That's a defense. That's a protection against the culture. And that's what Catholics need to do because we're so, you know, we all know you should be in the world, but not of it. But what have we done in practice? We're actually of the world as much as the rest of the world is. If you look at any, I don't know, if we call it a a fault or a sin in society, Catholics participate in that just like the rest of the population does. Well, that just seems odd to me. Why, why would we do that? Shouldn't we be different than that? Anyway, that's, that's a, a great theme. And I, I, at the Catholic CEO, we want to do something about that. We want to help families create the option of having their own business, which could be a home-based business to supplement family income, or an actual you know, bricks and mortar business where the family participates and uh, fathers and families can work together and, and mothers. It's really a powerful tool taken to the next level. We become an economic force then, and then we can change the culture. We can change laws and regulations and, and marketing practices and such things like that. So, and we can change the banking system too and raise capital. 100%. Yeah. Uh, and back to that point on the family there, Henry, I, I keep thinking of St. John Paul II, and he said one of his greatest inspirations when he was a child was seeing his father praying uh, quietly in his bedroom, right? And and just on his knees and uh, having that silent time with the Lord. Uh, that's uh, so good. Isolation. I want to talk about this as something that in cancel culture. Uh, and I think that this is important because I, I was telling you offline, Henry, that I've worked in a secular job for many, many years. Uh, and it can be, uh, you know, this, this woke mm-hmm. office culture. I, I kind of laugh even saying yeah, stuff like know, that, it's, but it's true. It's being in the world, but not of the world can be difficult for Catholics. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, over the years, you know, I've met many clients, we've talked many times and then for some reason we don't talk about our faith the way we should as Catholics. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you might mention something and you look at each other and you're like, are you a Catholic or, you know, do you go to mass? And yeah, do you? And oh, I always thought maybe there was something about mm-hmm. you that I really, you know, there's a, there's that kinship of between the baptized. That's very hard to describe mm-hmm. to someone who is not right. Henry? Yes, I agree. But mm-hmm. in this cancel called this woke culture, it's so it's taboo to talk about religion. It's taboo to talk about anything that's not secular or not having something to do with the weather. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a big Catholic community in the business world that that's ready to, to explode. In other words, we can get to know each other and see who's out there. But so many of us are so fearful to actually talk about our faith out in the open. So maybe is there some ways that us as Catholic men and women, how we can, um, you know, uh, sort of reach out and maybe be that beacon. Maybe it's not in your face, you know, uh, slamming Bibles in people's faces. But how can Mm -hmm. we do some practical things so that we can meet other Catholics in the business community and we can form these communities a little bit better and a little bit quicker. Yeah. I, uh, I would, I would say that there are some ideas that we could offer. One thing that I have been saying recently to people is let's say you, let's just talk about people who have a business for the moment, for the initial story here, the, the, the Catholic business owner, if you have a, a business and whether you hire hundred percent Catholics or not, Uh, what's wrong with having a crucifix in your meeting room or your boardroom? 
what's wrong with having on your front door instead of the signs that some people in the culture want you to stick on the front door you know what i mean uh what's wrong with having a cross there a crucifix there or a you know some catholic imagery of a, of a saint or a, an icon or something beautiful like that what's wrong with in your boardroom instead of the mission statement having the ten commandments or the virtues or something like that and so these are simple ideas i know but they signal then to the other people that this is a Catholic-owned business. And as far as I know now, there's still no law that prevents you from doing that. There's lots of public pressure to not do that, yes. But what if we signaled our Catholicity to people in that way? And then you could take it a step further. What if we, for example, I don't know, if you have a, a family business or a Catholic business where you hire, you're making a Catholic product, what's wrong with having your priest come once a month to talk to people at lunchtime and have a little meditation, a little reflection. What's wrong with having a, a prayer room for Catholics, a little chapel in your business where you could come and, uh, as you mentioned, you know, sit quietly in the in the, at the break or something like that. What's wrong with uh, another idea would be what if we had what if we marked special occasions in the lives of our employees if we're a Catholic business? Let's say somebody has a first Holy Communion or a confirmation or or uh, you know a wedding or something like that. What's wrong with with um, making um, giving people I don't know a half a day off or a day off or or doing something to support these things financially? There's a lot of ways we could do it without actually uttering. As you say, we wouldn't have to hit people with Bibles. We could, by our actions, begin to evangelize. So those are some ideas on simple steps we could take. You could get more complex than that, but that's a simple way to do it, maybe. No, that's that's a great idea. And you know, even if you work in a, a secular office environment, uh, I know that uh, there's been uh, I've got a lot of mileage out of just some pictures of Jesus, just some small pictures beside yeah. my desk. Yeah. Um, you know, having some some good books, some holy books, just yeah. put them beside. It could yeah. be the Bible, it could be the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be just be on your desk, just off to the side. But you know, it catches people's eyes. People and see I think these that's, things. Uh, yeah, they notice. They these, do, don't and they, they notice yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I always say, you know, it shouldn't take you long. It shouldn't take you more than a year for sure for your whole office to know that there's something yeah. a little bit different about you in a good way. That's right. That's right. Well, <laughs> in a unique way that you're a follower of Christ, right? In some right. way. That's right. Yeah. We need to be Catholics. Catholic business people need to be more gutsy in the workplace, you know, because the popular, well, you know, the popular culture spins everything at us and we're supposed to accept it. And, and the corporation, you know, is politically correct. It's, it's au courant, as they say, it's, it's part of the, the current culture. And maybe you can't fight that totally, but you can resist slightly. You could have, as you say, a Catholic book on your desk. What if you had the Bible on your desk? What would be wrong with that? Who can prevent that? Who could prohibit that from you under Canadian laws or American laws at this moment? Nobody. And yes, you're going to take some flack, but it could be a catalyst for a conversation. You could help convert someone's soul. And, you know, that's what we're supposed to do. So I think I think we can be better at it by simply paying attention to these kind of basics. We don't have to get fancy. We don't have to be, you know, people that are expert in uh, apologetics and and uh, the, you know, the knowledge of scripture that some um, uh, evangelical Christians have and so on that Catholics don't seem to have all the time. We could be, we could be excellent in portraying our faith just by these simple symbols rather than just, I mean, instead, uh, we could also be better and, and, you know, articulate our faith. Yes, but 
the basics could be easily done by everybody. And then we would become visible. And that's the beginning of a Catholic economy as well. 100%. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, You know, we've talked about in in, up in Canada, as we were recording this, Henry, we've got this freedom convoy that's, uh, that's rolling through Canada. um, And uh, a lot of, uh, the protest really against unjust mandates and it's not just for the truckers there's just uh you know we know people uh, even just amongst our own circles uh, mm-hmm. uh healthcare workers teachers that have lost their jobs over these uh these draconian mandates henry um when i think of children too you know not everybody it's uh, it's not as easy to go to school as it was i don't know for myself when i went to college and university mm-hmm. you know you your marks are good you submit your application you're accepted you're going to school right yeah um there's uh it's not quite as easy nowadays and when we talk about saying you know i I think it's kind of it's secular in a way too to say you can do anything you want in your life Mm -hmm. you know just Mm -hmm. put your mind to it yeah Uh, the reality is that i think as uh as we see this world becoming even more secular as it it keeps drifting away Mm -hmm. from the cross of jesus christ we have to have some realistic expectations too and telling our kids you know, what is God asking us to do and what is God asking you to do in your life? What can we do for our children, especially? Because that's kind of the way I'm looking at it right now. I'm sort of in the middle, I guess, of my my working career and whatever mm-hmm. God's vocation mm-hmm. is for me mm-hmm. uh, moving forward. But, you know, my children are still at home with me and, and they're mm-hmm. getting to that point where, okay, like what, maybe what's God calling me to do in my life? Mm-hmm. Maybe I am going to be called to be, uh, you know, living out in the world in, in some way. But um, yeah, do you have any ideas of how we can uh, encourage our children to maybe have that entrepreneurial spirit, which is, I think, a very healthy and a very Catholic principle, actually, to be entrepreneurial in, in that way. But mm-hmm. yeah, what are your suggestions, Henry, mm-hmm. on how we can support our children as uh, they, mm-hmm. you know, get out into the work world? I guess. Sure. This is this is a this is a very important topic. A couple of ideas there would be one thing to do is. Uh, and you know you 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 you're going to know that I'm. This is how I grew up. I we we had at the dinner table, you know, in balance with other topics. We talked about the business and about the world political situation, the financial system, the the fact that you know this this was happening in the business, that was happening in the business, and we all had summer jobs in the family business, which is uh, another way to learn it. But one way that parents I think could do it, I, I'll, I'll I'll suggest two things to you actually today. One is we could have more conversations about encouraging our children to be entrepreneurial. And I have a way to do that in a second, which I'll I'll get to, but what's wrong with teaching our children to um, even at the age of 10, let's say start a business. I know one of the speakers at our summit that we had a couple of weeks ago, her son is 10 years old and he collects scrap metal and he goes around the neighborhood and he goes to shops and garages and he, and he picks up, you know, a bumper or a piece of scrap metal and he takes it home and he stockpiles it. And then dad and mom, you know, load it all up into the back of the van and they take it to the scrap dealer and the, and the, and the son made in this story that I heard recently, he made, you know, 200 bucks last month, a 10 year old son um, who made some money uh, by starting a little business. A lot of money for me. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) So we could, we could teach our children to be entrepreneurial. The school system today, all the counselors, all that, as you know, teaches get a job, work in in a corporate world. That's not the only way to make a living. You can be self-employed, and then you can be independent from the culture. My other story is a uh, it's it's a it's an, a, a a source of amusement in my family because at a certain age, 
I stopped giving the children allowances. So at the age of 13, no more allowance. Instead, I replaced it with contracts. And so I taught my kids that at home, you can, every day, you have to empty the garbage, sweep the kitchen, wash the dishes, set the table, help make dinner. That's duty. You have to clean your own bedroom. Saturday morning, before you go anywhere, you clean your bedroom and you clean your bathroom. And you have to do that. That's just part of being a family. But you can also get contracts for the fridge cleaning, the fridge cleaning contract, the garage cleaning contract, the gutter uh, cleaning contract, the snow removal contract, the lawn cutting contract, stuff that we often farm out to other people. We contract out to other people. You don't go up on your own roof and clean your gutters that often. Well, you might, but I gave those contracts to the children. And so they learned the elements of a contract. They learned what happens if you don't fulfill your contract because they got penalized, but then they made money and they made a bonus if you did it. So much so that, like I say, my, my children, we, we, they find it amusing, but their friends used to come, Mr. Katarna, can we get a contract? And so then I'd say, go to your parents, go home to your parents and, and uh, talk to them about this. And I'd get the odd phone call from a, a father or a mother saying, what's this contract thing instead of allowances? So we had a little bit of fun, but it taught entrepreneurial skills. That's an idea. And I think entrepreneurial skills, I mean, that's that should be something for everybody. I mean, really, it's, uh, again, you think of when we were growing up on the farm, I mean, it was, that was always really, um, you know, definitely hammered, not hammered in a bad way, but yeah. uh, certainly yeah. uh, reinforced by, well, by your actions and what you had to do on the farm in order to sure. keep the farm going. That's right? what, There's it, always something to do. It was necessity. <laughs> it wasn't just an that's idea. Right. Like my little example is simply an idea for urban living, but when you're on the farm and you you've experienced this, um, you have to do it even in the business ourselves when there was no money and we were starting out, uh, you did everything. You did the painting, welding, the, the carpet laying, the glass cutting, the drywall, the roofing. We did all that stuff ourselves because we couldn't afford to hire somebody to do it. And so of necessity, you have to do it, but it does keep the family together. If it's a family business, or even if it doesn't, even if it isn't a family business, it gives you strength of character and it teaches you skills. And so absolutely, it's great. Yeah. The one thing I've learned being in the in the secular work world all the, for for many years here is uh, you know blooming where you're planted for sure, and, mm-hmm. and keeping your faith and, and staying close to, to Christ through the sacraments and living in a state of grace is it, uh, so vital and important. Mm-hmm. You know, we see so much of the society and our culture, Henry. They they work against the church and, and against people of faith. But I think one thing that I've learned is that. Uh, is to, to keep your eyes and uh, and your soul open to the opportunities for grace, to recognize where there's good things from corporations, where things you can gain perspective and experience, and you can actually turn that around and uh, not only strengthen your faith, but actually make it work against the culture, if that makes any sense. I've taken a lot of sales courses over the years, yeah. and I've used a lot of the yeah. tools, mm-hmm. not for my job, but actually in how mm-hmm. I approach evangelization with other yeah. people, how I have conversations yeah. with other people. Um, you have a lot of perspective, Henry. You're, you're experienced. You've, you've been well-traveled. You've done a lot of different things in your life, working for uh, a private industry, but also for government. So uh, what are some things you've learned from the secular work world that you can kind of bring and, and apply to the principles of the Catholic CEO? Well, um, one thing uh, is the the um, just in marketing. You, you mentioned marketing a couple of minutes ago. And I remember fundraising in our parish in Calgary, uh, to build us to help build a seminary and to fund you know to buy vestments let's say or to buy let's say a priest was getting ordained who grew up in the parish 
the parishioners might get together and buy a chalice or a set of vestments. I learned, you know, how to segment the market, how to understand the market, how to find out who had what sort of sounds a little bit crass to you maybe, but um, who had money, who, who could, who could give $5,000 towards a vestment set, who could give $50 and each in turn was approached uh, according to some marketing approaches. So that's, that's just one story, but in the, in the Catholic CEO, what I have always tried to say to people is be successful. Well, I put it this way. You can be Catholic and successful in business. And how I teach that is be fully Catholic, learn your Catholic faith, live it. Yes. But at the same time, when you're running your business, do it well. Don't be sloppy about it. Learn how to construct a, a very good spreadsheet financial simulation thing that allows you to simulate well, maybe we'll pay something towards a living wage. Maybe we'll pay 5% above market and we'll, we'll be better than that. Well, how do you afford to pay 5% above, above market? You have to know your numbers very carefully. And you, if you can do that well, you can bring Catholic principles into your business. But I've also learned great HR stuff, you know, how to treat people. The, the corporate world, now in many ways, you could argue that the corporate world you know, takes you in and spits you out. It doesn't care about you. But there are some good professional practices in HR that can apply to the Catholic business and the Catholic CEO tries to teach these things. So we can be, we can treat our employees very well. We can respect, we can show flexibility to the family by allowing flexible start and stop times. We could teach people how to be um, more respectful of opinion. We could teach people to respect uh, people. We could teach people virtue in our businesses so that they don't actually do those things, those fall into those habits that are negative. So I've learned from the business community that we must be every bit as good as the professional business community out there, the secular world. And if we add the Catholic component on top of it, we can be financially successful, provide income for our families, build our pensions, our bequests at the end of our life and all of those sorts of things. So I think we can take many tools all the good ones, you know, and, and copy them into the Catholic business. I have often seen people say to me, why should I support a Catholic business? How do I know they're as good as the rest? Well, it's a legit question. But on the other hand, the answer is be better than all the rest. You run a, you're a Catholic running a business and you don't have to be selling a Catholic product necessarily, you know, uh, but let's be, let's be really, really professional and expert and good in running our businesses in all of the wholesome ways. When we do marketing, let's not exploit people. Let's not do the wrong kind of image to, to, to foster the bad habits that marketing tends to do uh, regarding, let's say, custody of the eyes, as an example. Mm -hmm. Let's not do that, mm -hmm. but let's be really, really careful to run good businesses. I think, Dave, that's, that's something we could do. And if we're striving for magnanimity in our spiritual lives, which we all need to do, why not greatness in our, our business lives yeah. as well, right? Yeah. And, and how we run our businesses. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a lot of pressure on people nowadays. We already mentioned mandates a little bit. We mentioned the woke culture. Yeah. Um, when the Catholics come to you and say, you know, Henry, I, th I think I'm just, I'm kind of getting towards the end of this secular work world and, and this life. I'd like to start a business or I'd like to... Um, yeah, I just need to raise some money or I need to, or here's my idea, you know, where do I go from here? What do you say to people like that or that are kind of at that, that sort of fork in the road and they're trying to make a decision on, you know, what, uh, 
um, makes sense to them uh, in their hearts and souls and what maybe what God is calling them to do. It's a real step of faith to, to start a business or to do something different, but also practically if you're still trying to support your family with the yeah. job that you currently have. Yeah, this is a, this is a big question. And so well, where I begin with people is I say to them, if you've made up your mind that you have to leave that corporate job, that downtown job or that job in the big manufacturing company or whatever you do, because of the, the pressure of the culture is going to eventually cause you to do something against the Catholic faith. Then you have to make that move. You have to get out of there. So a first step to take would be to perhaps consider going part-time. If you're full-time, you go part-time. If your company permits that, not everyone will, but sometimes it's possible. You go part-time, then you can use that remaining time to work on your startup. and Or you could... If you can't go part-time in your current job, consider quitting that job and finding another part-time job in a different field, different company, different line of work, and then leave half-time for sort of doing your startup. So there's a way to kind of transition out. Another way to do it is to do the calculation. Let's say there's two people in the family uh, earning income. If one of them quit their job to start a home-based business, let's say, for example, Let's say, and let's, in the sake of this example, let's say two people, husband and wife, each make $50,000. Well, if, you, if one of them quits their job, they don't lose 50000 in income. They lose only fourteen or fifteen or 20000 in income because you don't need the second car. You don't need to, the commute. You don't need the lunch out every day. You don't need the office wardrobe. I'm oversimplifying, I know, but that's a calculation we do. Then what I say to people is if you have an idea, a business idea, procrastination is one of the biggest problems. People don't get off. They just think, think, think for years. They've always wanted to do this. We show in the Catholic CEO, we have a free course, the crash course, uh, that helps people to understand that you can take your business idea and you can test it. You can do a simple market test. You can do a little demand test. You can do a little sanity test on your idea. It doesn't take you don't have to hire a $50,000 consultant to do it. You just do this little process. That helps most people get to the basics of a good idea. And then after that, honestly, I don't say it's easier, but after that, you just use the tools that are already out there. We have them at the Catholic CEO. Every, everybody, you know, there's all kinds of stuff online that you can learn about a business. But getting past this transitioning from your current job where you feel the danger and the risk of quitting, what are you going to do then if the business fails? So I, we have to help people find a transitional way to get out of their business currently. And then to make the decision, focus on an idea that actually is a real solution to a business problem that actually will sell, that actually is going to be accepted by the, by the marketplace. If we can do those two things at the beginning, we've gone maybe two thirds of the way. The rest as my Polish grandfather used to say in Polish, now that you've started, all you have to do is finish it. It rhymes better in Polish, but, um, you know. There's so many good things yeah, exactly. in so, Ukrainian and Polish that are grandpa, and you just can't seem to replicate them in English. I know, it doesn't work. <laughs> but but he would say, you know, now that you've started, all you have to do is finish. And the finish part is really the tools that are out there. And there, is a, there are many good tools out there. It's that procrastination thing, and it's to transition from the current gig. How do I leave my job? How can I do that? How can I start a business? I'd have to stop working, have zero dollars income, you know, and then spend money and time starting my new business. So there's a way to do it. It requires a 
above all, this whole thing has to be surrounded by prayer. So we always say, I know oh, you would, yes. would agree with me 100%. 100% virtue, right? Yeah, Henry, that's so huge. Yeah. Well, I'll give our listeners just a, a very brief example for myself. And this is yeah. not just for our work world, but also for what God's calling you to do in, in your life in an apostolate. And this podcast that, I've, that I have, mm-hmm. I've been so blessed. To, but God put it on my heart many years ago, and mm-hmm. I just didn't do it. I was procrastinating, and, ah. and God mm-hmm. kept knocking on that door. Mm-hmm. And it took, actually, accountability. It was two people. One was my son. Mm-hmm. He said, one day I was just, ah, oh, you know, it'd be cool to have a, a podcast. I, you know, that'd be really neat to do something like this for the church. And he said, Daddy, you talk about it all the time. Why don't you just do it? Mm-hmm. When are you just mm-hmm. going to do it? And I could see it as like, he was getting frustrated. It's like, you're just, you're a man of words and, and no action. And, you know, it was really convicting to me being his dad. And he was my son and trying yeah. to be an example of virtue yeah. to him. And then the other was my nephew, who is just a little bit uh, younger than me, mm-hmm. uh, six or seven years younger than me. And I talked mm-hmm. about it with him. And he said, you know, Uncle David, he said, you talked about this before. Mm-hmm. You need to do it. And I'm putting a date. I, he put it right in his phone. I was having lunch with him. And he said, I'm putting a date here. I'm going to give you one month. And he said, you better have something <laughs> like <laughs> recorded and ready to release because you've been talking about it forever. And he said, I'm sick of you talking about it. So I, the only reason I bring this up is just to, to accountability and community is so important too, isn't it, Henry? It's, it's good to have, especially for, for men, especially having accountability with other men. If you're going to share something that's inspiring to you, whether it's spiritual or even with, with work, you need to have that accountability with other brothers and sisters in Christ, don't you? Yes, you do. And, and you know, men are, in many ways, men are competitive. And we also are... We're, we're independent. We, we're, we're proud. We don't, we don't want to show vulnerability sometimes. So what I tell people is I don't say to people, show vulnerability and seek advice from, as you've just said, from your family, your friends, your associates. Create a personal advisory board, a PAB, I, I call it. Create a personal advisory board. If you couch it in language like that, it's business talk. And what's wrong with having, let's say, three people that have, that are, you know, advising you as you start up your business? Let's say you had a finance person and a marketing person and somebody who is, I don't know, an operations or production expert, and they were your personal advisory board, and you could just meet them every quarter, you know, have lunch with them and, and tell them what's going on and then hear their input. We can do this. We can seek advice from each other. Even within our parish, as we said a few minutes ago, we could do this too. We could have advisory boards of men and women who know what they're talking about and have been there, done that in business, who could advise um, other people on what are the pitfalls of a startup and what should you do or how do you fix this little problem or that little problem. We could be much better at that. And if we all did that, we would have a greater skill set and, of course, that helps to create the Catholic economy. We would be sharper, smarter business people, uh, more successful, and we become an economic powerhouse. But, you know, to to try to go it alone and not seek advice, that's a high-risk thing. And our whole thing in business is always to de-risk every decision. As you know, that's what we try to do. Risk assessment, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think about, you know, and, and we do need resources when we want to practically start a business. Sometimes you need you need money. You need some. You need ideas for sure and stuff. But yeah. you're gonna need some money sometimes. Uh, the one thing I always kind of get a just kind of shake my head in the the work world and the the secular world is even if you work for a large, say, a Fortune 500 company, like I just happen to work for one, you're mm. you have a pension plan or you have an RSP or something like that. Or but if uh, usually it's a, a defined benefit or defined contribution is usually yeah. more a common the, the term days, now. Yeah. You're kind of stuck with. Uh, 
you know, dealing with a handful of different fund managers, you put your money into the pension and you're like, well, you know, sometimes the employers match it. So it really doesn't make sense for you to not participate in the program. Yeah. But boy, if you could hang on to some of that money and invest it the way you wanted to, boy, that'd be really great. But it's just another example of how, you know, even the secular world, the secular companies, they are all sticking together. There's, they're working together, even if we don't see that, uh, you know, obviously up front, but uh, behind the scenes, they're, they're working together on, on the money side of things. But if there is someone that has some extra money, um, some extra cash, and I know a lot of Catholics feel this way, they have an extra $1,000, an extra $10,000, maybe even more. They have this money, they have an option to put it into stocks or bonds, mutual funds, cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that might be a whole separate conversation yeah, is, with you, yeah. but other investments. Mm-hmm. Or if there's a, a startup of, of a Catholic gentleman or, or a young lady that would like to get into business, is there ways that, uh, and maybe this is something that, that the Catholic CEO you're working on already, but uh, yeah, there are some avenues where people can be put in touch with each other so that people that want to be an angel investor or invest in a, a startup company that Catholics can participate on the financial side of things as well. Yes, this is a, this is an important point as well. And we're actually about to launch a course on uh, investor readiness, investment readiness, and also uh, a twelve key question investment pitch deck course. So we're gonna we're gonna do our part to help put some tools out there for people. But the idea that you've just mentioned, I love it. I love it very much because what we have learned. I ran an angel investor group for twelve years in Calgary, and I still run one now. And uh, we're in uh, we're in a, a bunch of tech deals. We're in 22 tech deals. My family is, and so we have learned that the angel investment concept is that from your surplus cash, you band together. So let's say 10 angel investors put ten thousand dollars each into a very promising tech startup. Well, that's a hundred thousand dollars, and that's a significant sum of money for an early stage startup, but you wouldn't ask, I mean, it's rare to find one person who's going to be the angel investor and put the $100,000 check, but 10 people putting 10,000 each in, it's not a co-op model. It's not a socialist model. It's a model of economic wisdom. It's a model of taking a pool of capital. Going back to our parish idea, if somebody there has an, uh, an idea and you, you do some due diligence on them, you vet them, you know they're a hardworking person, you know they have ethics and so on. We could finance startups and we could do this ourselves. We could create the Catholic economy by becoming angel investors. The name itself evokes somebody that kind of, you know, I guess flies in from heaven and and not only gives you money, but because they've been there, done that and respect the entrepreneurial spirit, they actually work alongside of you and help you solve it. So so your your thought about an angel investment, we could take that model from the secular economy, apply it to the Catholic business world very easily because the concepts are still there it's ri- it's pooling risk pooling money it's diffusing risk so that you don't take it all yourself if you had a hundred thousand dollars and you put ten thousand into ten deals well you've de-risk something some of those will fail inevitably early stage companies many fail high percentage fail but some won't and so we could help create a catholic economy we could create pensions we could create savings plans you know and we can create educational funds for our children and all. you could go on and on about the good effects of it it's something- the reason it's not socialist centered is because there's accountability there's still an expectation of return exactly that's that's the just thing exactly. that's that's, that's justice, justice right? i agree there's help but there's also uh, accountability that there's going to be a return for those yeah. investors in addition to 
uh, the su- success of a startup yeah. company. Yeah, I love that idea. I think that there's a lot of people. I know for myself personally, I'm interested in something like that, and I know there's other people uh, here in Alberta that would be very interested in something like that. So, uh, Henry, you know what? I'd I'd love to. I, I was saying we could do a Joe Rogan style podcast. Maybe one day we'll have to do this. You know, like maybe over Christmas break. And you want to try, yeah, try a five stories? Five. I don't know if people, yeah. maybe our listeners wouldn't like that. But I tell you what. <laughs> This hour has flown by very fast. I'm so blessed to meet you, Henry. I really, I hope that once these uh, draconian mandates and restrictions to get across the border, we can actually uh, uh, shake hands and uh, and have a uh, a, uh, a social drink together of some sort. Maybe some uh, some Alberta rye or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe definitely some something. Like craft that. breweries here in yeah. Alberta. We'll do something like yeah. that. But uh, before we we let you go, Henry, you're, you're doing so much great stuff. And again, we've probably a lot of other topics I'd love to talk to you about. We'll have to. We'll have to shelve it for another time. But tell us about uh, what the Catholic CEO is up to right now and how people can reach out to you and your apostolate and how they can, uh, yeah, just learn more about your ministry. Sure. Well, our website is www.thecatholicceo.com. So please go there because we have free courses. We have downloads. We have tools. We have a 52-week family business case study. We've got a crash course, seven steps to starting your own business. We'll be doing this angel investment uh, investment readiness course soon and the 12 key questions course soon we have uh, a youtube channel now called the catholic ceo where we we do things like this as well Um, i think that the main thing i would say to people is feel free to reach out to us because we're not only it's a business but it's an apostolate we're trying to help people we're trying to seek ideas we're trying to to be a catalyst and so if you have an idea or you have a question email me Henry at thecatholicceo.com and go to our website and you can contact us there. Our team is uh, some really good people that are working hard to bring the Catholic approach to business to create this economic powerhouse. So, you know, I'm glad that I was here with you today, Dave. This is, this is a wonderful opportunity. May God bless your ministry. This is something important that you're doing. And I know that many people are benefiting from it. And I've come to your uh, to to see some of your podcasts only recently, but I'm uh, I'm hooked on yours now too. So I have to put in the time of every week. I have to make sure I listen to to what David is doing at the Catholic Canuck. So so God bless you in this ministry. Oh praise God! Thank you very much. I I appreciate that, and I'm so excited to uh, as a business person myself uh, away from the podcast uh, microphone. Uh, I'm just so excited what you're up to, and I'm I'm real thankful to our Lord for for making uh, for this calling for you and and your yes to the Lord, so that you can help a lot of people. And I know other people have uh, either benefited or, or have a lot of hope in their heart for what they're seeing in uh, bringing our Catholic communities together and uh, and uh, yeah, just helping each other on this journey towards heaven. So, Henry, thanks again. Let's stay in touch. Uh, God bless you sure. and uh, and your work. God bless and and thanks very much again. Deo gracias, as we say. Well, there you have it, everyone. A big thanks to Henry Caterna from The Catholic CEO for joining us on this edition of the podcast. And again, the website, thecatholicceo.com. We'll also have some more information in the show notes. uh, And you can check out uh, this ministry and the great work that The Catholic CEO and Henry Caterna, that group, is doing right now. So thanks for listening to this podcast, everyone. Man, it's such a crazy world right now, but don't forget Jesus Christ is Lord. It doesn't matter who the prime minister is, who the president is. Jesus Christ is still the king and invite you to listen to our podcast uh, anywhere you find your fine podcast. Follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Gab, on Getter. We're all over social media and feel free to drop me a line anytime. I love hearing from you. This universal church that we belong to, it is beautiful. It is powerful. 
and uh, love hearing messages for, whether you're across the street here in Fort Saskatchewan where I'm based out of or any country around the world. I love hearing from you and uh, thanks for your prayers and your support. And for Catholics, you know what we've got to do in order to be a light of Christ to this world, this hurting world, this confused world that needs the truth, which is Jesus Christ and the cross, the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. We got to live in a state of grace, not just some of the time, but all the time. And we got to go to confession at least three times every year, every Advent, every Lent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin. Don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. We'll chat with you very soon.